Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol, two man car, Jesus 911, Jess Romero, Paul Clay. Today, we want to talk about a well-written article. <clears throat> we want to comment on it by Edward Penton. For those of you that don't know who he is, let me tell you a little bit about Edward Penton. He's, uh, <clears throat> he, he reports on the Pope in the Vatican. He's on Vatican Radio. Uh, <clears throat> he's also the Rome correspondent for EWTN's National Catholic Register. <clears throat> he's also reported on the Holy See and the Catholic Church for a number of other publications like Newsmax, uh, Newsweek, Zenit, the Catholic Herald, the Holy Land Review. He's written several books. Uh, one of his uh, last books he wrote was uh, The Church in the Middle East. Uh, Edward Penton, he's also the author of a book called The Next Pope. That one came out three years ago. The Leading Cardinal Candidates. And he also uh, <clears throat> wrote a book called The Rigging of a Vatican Synod, an investigation into the alleged manipulation at the Extraordinary Synod on the Family. That was put out by Ignatius Press a couple of years ago. This guy's a giant when it comes to to, to writing on, on Vatican and, and papal history. So, uh, Paul, the title of the article, it's actually a speech. He gave mm -hmm. a speech. He gave a speech at the Catholic Identity Conference in Pittsburgh uh, this year, September 30th, not a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he was invited there by Michael Matt from The Remnant. And I want to just go right to the part of the speech where he starts talking about Phoenix from the ashes. Because here he starts talking about more lay, lay people. What can we do based upon uh, a lot of the, I'll use Pope Paul the six words, the uh, self-destruction that the church has been experiencing. I, I'm using the words of Pope Paul the sixth. He says the church is going through a process of self-destruction. He said that's back in the mid-60s. Mm -hmm. So, Paul, I want to pick it up from here, and then we all just have a discussion with you where Edward Penton talks about, it's, it says, Phoenix from the ashes. He mm -hmm. said, a Rome priest friend, a learned theologian and historian whom I call Father Michael, predicted that much of the institutional church, as we currently know it, will be destroyed but not completely. Guess who else said that, Paul? Cardinal Rathbun. Our blessed. Uh, and how about this? Uh, our, la our lady has been talking about these types of things for a long time. <laughs> yeah, but, but specifically about the destruction of the church, but not completely. Cardinal Ratzinger mentioned that. He's written it in a book back in, back in the 70s, yeah. who later became Pope yep. Benedict. So um, this, uh, this priest friend compared the crisis to the fall of the Roman Empire and how Christian architects at that time used fragments of pagan temples to turn them into churches. You see this in many churches in Rome. Balustrades, for example, taken from old Roman temples and of different shapes and then used to line the nave. Hmm. Similarly, he believes that the post-conciliar church will decline in, into irrelevancy and appear to be all but ruined, and a new church will be built up like a phoenix from the ashes. This would also align with what many believe is happening that the church as an institution is going through her passion. A lot was said there. I'll make one comment. I want to hear yeah. your comment. 
Absolutely, the church is going through a passion right now. Paragraph 675 of the Catechism. Uh, it just, it just, what, it, what Christ went through 2,000 years ago, we're walking Golgotha right now. Something else interesting that Edward just wrote there, and I, I, I totally agree with him, is that the post-conciliar church, what that means is the church that cropped up, that emerged after Vatican II, is going to decline into irrelevancy, and it's going to be to be all but ruined. I believe that's what's going to save the church, is the, is the going back to the tradition of the church. And I take this from New Testament theology. St. Paul would always hearken to the communities that he would write to. Hold fast to the traditions that you were given. So he told that to the Corinthians. He told that to the Thessalonians. St. Paul was always hearkening back because he, he, he understood that the oral tradition was, was, was something that was safeguarded by the Holy Spirit and given from generation to generation. I believe that uh, a do-over would be in order. I believe that uh, picking up the simple Baltimore Catechism, every single family, I think that would be a big boon in the Catholic Church. I believe uh, that uh, every parish having a mass that looks the same like the next parish, what I mean by that is the Latin mass. Mm. That type of uniformity and consistency before 1965 had 75 to 80 percent of catholic americans going to mass on sunday women wearing veils men wearing suits women wearing long dresses uh when people worshiped in the same language and worshiped in the same liturgical protocol before 1965 so to me if we go if we go back to that which wasn't too long ago uh i think it would be a big boon for the church that's my opinion I love your opinion. <laughs> Listen, Jess, uh, we hear uh, greats like uh, the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen talk about something called the ape of the church. We hear, uh, and sacred scripture tells us there'll be a falling away. We hear Our Lady say, Rome will lose the faith, whatever that means, right? Yeah, right. And um, But the bottom line is, is... Um, for me, I see an evolutionary type process going on, just like the theory of evolution that talks about the evolution of man and where he came from. I see a, a spiritual evolution taking place. And um, and it's unfortunate, but um, uh, everything that you just talked about, you know, truth doesn't change. It's not relative. So the truth yesterday, well, what do we say about our Lord? Jesus Christ, the same uh, yesterday, today, and forever. forever. <laughs> he doesn't change because why? Number one, the truth is a person, our Lord Jesus Christ, and his truths never change. But yet you see many in the church, and I think uh, 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 St. Pope uh, Pius X uh, said it correctly, that the synthesis of all heresy is what? Modernism. And so the, because of ambiguity uh, on, that took place in Vatican II in certain, you know, certain things that were put yeah. forth, the modernists have exploited this and they are attempting to hijack the church. And there's a lot of there's a lot of things, as you know, Jess, and I don't want to you know get on this too much because the audience pretty much knows this, but there's just a flood of different things that have happened and are occurring that are taking us down a path. Now, now at the same time, I want to remind everybody that, listen, God is on the throne. Um, this isn't a surprise to him. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, we know that when these things occur, that uh, what they do is they purge the church. Number one, it exposes evil for what it is and evil men for what it is. Uh, because darkness fears the light for fear that it'll be exposed. It's our job to just teach the truth, to stick to the perennial teachings of the church. That's right. And 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 resist through how the the Catholic way of resistance through prayer, through you know uh, boldness to stand up for the truth, even if it means martyrdom. Yeah, and he, and that's what the Edward Penton does talk about. We'll get to it where he talks about the lady's role. Because he does mm -hmm. talk about, you know, some of the things that we should be doing. He continues, he talks about, he says, uh, as this internal suffering of the institutional church continues, Father Michael predicted that her various administrative organs would become weaker. And the mm. faithful will see even more open discord and the loss of authority. Mm. What those currently in charge are doing, he said, is using all their own moral authority to undermine their own moral authority. Good line. Mm -hmm. As an mm -hmm. example, he noted that officials at the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, now headed by Cardinal Victor Emmanuel Fernandez, who wrote a book on the mystical art of kissing, no longer see themselves as defenders and promoters of the faith, but simply in, in simply enforcing the recent magisterium. Hmm. Hmm. That, that hmm. word's never been used in 2,000 years, recent magisterium. He hmm. therefore expects some, of though of course, not all bishops, priests, and others, to eventually just ignore any directives coming from the DDF and other dicasteries, as happened with Traditionis Custodis, because he said they knew it was ridiculous based on a lie and unjustified. But Father Michael believes this process will actually give the next pope, or the one after that, the opportunity to reshape the DDF and other Vatican dicasteries once this self-demolition of the church, to quote, to use the words of Pope Paul VI, uh, let's not forget, is all over. So um, they, they can then rebuild the Vatican, and the universal church and waste faithful to apostolic tradition, scripture, and the perennial teachings of the church, though that's unlikely to be straightforward. I asked him about the well-being of the souls as this creative destruction process continues. This is also a concern of a number of cardinals, bishops, and others. Could many souls be lost by the visible devastation and scandal? <laughs> I say yes. yes. Yeah. Father Michael conceded that this is a real danger until a better organized church exterior, as it is called, arrives. But this is why he said, this is important, it is important to distinguish between the fallible institutional elements of the church versus the truth of God that always remains because the church herself is indefectible. Good line. Yes, worth repeating. I was going to tell you, worth repeating. Yes. Say it again. Yeah. He says, it's important to distinguish between fallible institutional elements of the church versus the truth of God that always remains and because the church herself is indefectible. Remember that, yes. church. Don't forget that. Another good sentence. He goes, but the road of, to rebuilding will also be a hard one, and the process of apocalypsis, which is beneficial but also painful, still might have a long way to go. Yeah, the now, unveiling. Thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apocalypse is the unveiling. Absolutely. We'll be right back, uh, especially when it gets to the lady, it gets good here. Jesus 911, two-man car. We'll be right back. Stick around. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol Jesus 911, Edward Penton, uh, gave a speech at the, uh, it was in, over in Pittsburgh, at the Catholic, what was it called, Paul? What conference was that? The Catholic it was the, uh, Identity, uh, conference. Identity Conference over in Pittsburgh with uh, Michael Matt, yes. Yeah, this is just a few weeks ago. And this is part, the, the, the whole speech is worth uh, reading. You can access it, go to vmpr.org or jesseromero.com. It's worth reading. We're just, try, we're just going through the tail end of it, making some comments where yeah. he says, this was powerful, where he says, um, Father, he's, this is one of his priest friends from Rome. Father Ernesto said that as most cardinals and bishops have been poorly formed since the council, they're likely to continue tolerating the crisis unless a future pope calls a halt to it. What a statement. That statement was also said by Cardinal Mueller just the other day as well, that most cardinals and bishops have been poorly formed since Vatican II. Cardinal Mueller just said that uh, a few weeks ago as well. Um, None of them are carrying their garments, he said. That in other words, he's saying that what should we be doing, Paul? Just like in the in the old, New and Old Testament, he says a lot of these bishops should be tearing their garments. Mm. He says, he says uh, that's that's sackcloth and ashes, repentance. But they're not doing that. Yeah, and he he says people are becoming more aware of the crisis. He said, yeah. but not the hierarchy, bishops and priests. And he argued that if they don't wake up, don't expect the lady to do so in any great numbers. The clergy are the ones in power and can carry on without the faith, uh, can carry on without the faithful even. They can go on and on, destroying more and more, eating the bones and entrails as they are, as they are priests, their hierarchy. Well, uh, and just, I mean, yeah, just a quick comment. Um, talk, he talked about the priests being poorly formed. So true. Like I said, this, you know, this poor formation um, you know, has taken place over a long period of time. And so many of the faithful then are also poorly formed. And that's why he talks about, to a large extent, you know, don't expect a lot of the lady to wake up. Why? Yeah, because, yeah. you know, a lot of people just aren't, you know, theologically minded to where they're, you know, they're they're not nerded out like us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, but but the but the reality is is um um this this uh this poor formation uh they're not going to wake up because it's not in their DNA. Uh I've heard some priests put it, you know, a lot of them don't have the faith, Jess. Jesus talked about hirelings and things like that. Um, you know, for for many of these uh priests you know, it's more of a job and not, not, you know, not a, not a calling from God. And therein lies the problem. Yeah. Let me jump right to the meat of it. The last two sections, which is called what could happen to the council and the ladies rule? Cause that'll give us enough for enough to discuss. Okay. This is, yeah, this is the meat of the, of, the, of his whole speech, but his whole speech is worth, is worth reading on your own, by yep. the way. So he says, what can happen to the council? Edward Penton writes, one key element, which, of course, I must mention in all of this, is the Second Vatican Council and whether, when the church comes to be rebuilt, it will be consigned to the ecclesiastical garbage can. Those Mm. I spoke to largely held views similar to those of Bishop Athanasius Snyder, that the council was valid, but any ambiguity in the council text needs to be rooted out 
rooted out by reading and interpreting them correctly in continuity with the church's tradition. That will also mean officially correcting some of the documents. In other words, what good from the council can and should be salvaged. But they believe it has to be a pope who does the salvaging and correcting, not another council. Others believe the council must be denied as if it's in contrast with the truth and perhaps they're right. Here's, a, here's my take. And Paul knows about this because Paul was a supervisor in the sheriff's department. He used to write the, read, the, read the police reports from the, from the cops on the street. And Paul was able to approve them or not approve them, kick them back, as they said, or redline them. Um, there are at least four documents of the 16 documents of Vatican II that a sergeant, <coughs> pope, a future pope, needs to take a red pen and say, okay, we need to nix this. We need to change this, change this, change this. Uh, we, we, we need to, uh, a, a correction with the pastoral documents of Vatican II, because have you, as you've seen, people justify their actions like Pachamama, <coughs> like the, the Assisi Conference, where we're praying with all religions in, in front of the Blessed Sacrament. They, uh, this, the, the three uh, big religions over in uh, Bahrain, I think, all of that is drawn from the reading of those four pastoral documents in Vatican II. Mm. I would say... I would say misinterpretation because they're supposed to be read in continuity with the church, with all the previous documents, but they're not, that, that's not being done. And so I think a future pope should take those four pastoral documents, yeah. take his red pen and tighten them up. So there is no ambiguity in that language. Yeah, Justin, um, you know, he hinted to something. And it, when he said that a future pope has to deal with it because he understands the hierarchical system of the, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And of late, there has been a democratizing of, you know, uh, the church. Uh, and we see that displayed in some of these, uh, you know, these bishop councils that, you know, it, the individual bishop has lost his power. And, and essentially, so when the, when the council of bishops agree to something, he, it's basically, you know, he has to go along with it. That's not how, that's not how the faith works historically. Yeah. And um, so anyway, the democratizing of the church and uh, basically uh, that, that, that's, I believe he was hitting on that. Yep. Edward Penton says, but again, Pope Francis has been, has been the ideal Pope to set this all up. As Father Michael yeah. said, God is currently allowing someone to occupy the Sea of Peter in yeah. order to fix the state of the council without him knowing it, discrediting <laughs> the errors of the spirit of the council and the council itself. But there's without no distinction, he believes. Not only are, are, not only are documents of the council problematic, no. but the event is as well. Uh, yeah, Vatican Council II, it was held during the 1960s where there was a, a complete social uh, spirit Rebel. of rebellion yeah, worldwide. There, yeah. in, in, the, in the U.S. in the 60s, there was war. There was the, 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 the founding of the Church of Satan. There was the Woodstock Festival, which kicked off the hippie and the drug culture. Uh, mm -hmm. it, 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 we also had the... the, the uh, uh, the Black the, Panthers, <laughs> the Black Panthers, the Civil Rights Movement, the assassination of Kennedy, uh, Reverend Martin Luther King, Malcolm uh, X. Mal we had the overturning of Griswold versus Connecticut. Contraception was legalized uh, <laughs> by the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court also legalized uh, 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 pornography on the big screen. 
Um, It was also 68 was the inauguration of the homosexual movement. It's called the Stonewall in the Stonewall in green, the, the Stonewall Greenwich village riots in New York, where they kicked off the LGBT homosexual, you know, my body, my and choice, it, we're locked up. It started in 68. The 60s, Paul, it was bad. Bad. Yep, Greenwich Village, and, yep. And, and Vatican II was, was it, it occurred on this, in this social maelstrom of confusion. Uh, and also, even the military was even compromised in the 60s. There was a high-level Satanist named Michael Aquino. I think he was a colonel in the army. He had the ear of all the presidents because he had all the right degrees from Berkeley and Hart and 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 and, and Stanford. He was a, a an academic, uh, mm-hmm. and he was a high ranking uh, person in the army. I, I forget what rank of officer he he knew all the last all the all the presidents uh, in his lifetime. They all would consult with him. He was a member, the highest member of the Church of Satan of Anton Lavey. They got into it, and he broke off from Anton Lavey and he started his own satanic denomination called the temple of set so what i'm saying is the 60s oh yeah in the 60s also the catholic colleges lost their soul uh the catholic mm. colleges they were offered federal money to start hiring non-catholic teachers atheists buddhists muslims and the catholic presidents around the country the the 275 catholic colleges they said whoa free money free federal dollars wow we could buy big big stadiums and have big football programs yeah sign me up and so in 68, mm. the Catholic uh, colleges, they sold their soul and they started taking federal money and hiring non-Catholic teachers. Yeah, Vatican II occurred in the midst of this. In, oh, and the sexual revolution, by the way, also occurred yeah. in the 60s. Yeah. yeah. Pornography. And all that. Yeah. Yeah. And all, and all this, we were being serenaded by John Lennon in Imagine. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. You know, his song yes. Imagine. You yes. Know? <laughs> yes. And, and so the devil used Paul. All the evil that he was orchestrating on planet Earth, and uh, and and the church count a co- called the council, and I'm telling you, uh, the church embraced a lot of the spirit of the age at that council. At least, oh. at least the individuals that were there, the modernists that yeah. were there, they brought yeah. in, they brought in in their theological perspective the spirit of this age into the documents, yep. and they wrote certain documents with ambiguity. No doubt. And so when we look back now and we see the carnage and 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 the abortion upon abortion piled up and we just see the devastation, uh, the fruit of all of that, uh, the chickens just have finally come home to roost and we're beginning to see the the damage. Uh, uh, but the good news is, is that, you know, uh, regardless of what's going on at any point in history, uh, you know, man makes his plans and he does his thing, but God is the one who always, he always has a remnant, yes. He always maintains and rise and, and raises up people uh, to uh, fly his banner, so to speak. Amen. Mm-hmm. Edward Penton writes, the veteran pro-life and pro-family campaigner, retired medical doctor Thomas Ward, told me he thought Pope Francis is a godsend for showing the reality of Vatican II. Poison mm. is 98% water. arsenic, he said. And although many could smell a rat early on, he said it has taken a while for the reality to get through to most people. That's a good description of the documents of Vatican II, by the way. Good analogy. All Mm -hmm. of these issues are therefore coming to a head. 
It's like Pope Francis is injecting a vaccine to eradicate a virus and the body's reacting, said the Latin Mm -hmm. American priest I quoted earlier. The reaction, he said, he feels as if something is not working and the reaction can be a disaster, but at least there's a reaction. And from this, from his perspective as as a liturgist, he welcomed the fact that it was destroying the reform of the reform, the hermeneutic of continuity and other positions that have grown up since the council, but which he believes are unsustainable. Paul, pick it up where it says the ladies roll. This is good. Then we'll comment the last segment. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Now this is the ladies roll. Yeah. Yeah. Now if this process is, is theoretically working to the good in the long term, rooting out the modernist heresy exposing other ills in the church and helping to purify her shouldn't it just be allowed to continue painful though it might be oh painful though it might be yeah um what should the lady do what can they effectively do given the immensity of the crisis should they fight or is this a time similar to when christ was arrested in the garden of gethsemane and the lord told peter to put his away his sword We'll, we'll delete, stop right there. We'll pick it up. Jesus 911 two-man car. This is good. We're going to talk about the ladies' role next. What do we do? What do we do? Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526- Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. And when I mean Soul Patrol, I'm not, I mean, I I mean it on steroids right now. As Catholic, we've got to be in the business right now of saving souls, of introducing people to the person of Jesus Christ and, uh, and giving people the truths of the Catholic faith. I recommend that every single family have a few Baltimore catechisms handy uh, at the kitchen table, in your bedroom, in the bathroom. And, uh, and make sure that you know the brass tacks basics of the Catholic faith. Paul, let's finish with the ladies' role. Then I want to we make some comments. Okay. Uh, back to ladies' role. Okay. Um, well, let me just back up. Yes, I lost my... Okay, here we go. Um, for an answer to this, I turned again to Dr. Ward, a formidable Scottish warrior for the faith and for life. He strongly believes we have to resist at this time, adding that resistance is seldom wrong. Speaking as a doctor, human life is messy, he said. But you've got to do what you've got to do. A a revolution has to take place. Hmm, I think we're going to have to define that, Jess, and talk about what that means. He said it has taken place. Has taken place. Oh, 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 my bad. Has taken place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We've been infiltrated, and we've been uh, like like we often talk about. It's hand to hand combat. Yeah. <laughs> but what was especially poignant, at least to me, was what he said about the consequences of Catholics not resisting enough for the past sixty years. Look at the cultural and bioethical situation in the world now. He said. If we were to add up all the surgical abortions since the 1960s, they'd probably probably be more than the population of India. Wow. Throw in chemical-induced abortions, and we'd be well beyond that figure. We have gender ideology and the, and the mutilation of boys and girls, and all this is the consequence of moral silence of the church. Wow. Um, yeah. 
She is the moral peacemaker of the world, he added. If we have this industrial scale evil, if this is the consequence of moral neutrality and silence of priests not condemning abortions or contraception for 50 years, if this is the beautiful situation after the silence of the church, despite the, the blips of Humanae Vitae, the beautiful pontificate on life of Pope John Paul II and, and the pontificate of Benedict XVI, what, what is it going to be like when we say the immoral is moral and the moral is immoral? If we have this number of abortions after mostly silence during the 50, 60 years when the church was neutered, then it's going to be like, uh, or what, what then it, it's going, what, oh, what is going to be like after, what is it going to be like after the Bergolian revolution? I just want to stop right there, Jess. Okay. And say, listen, um, this, uh, uh, this neutrality, Jesus said, what, what did he say? He said, would be that you are hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. This is what neutrality breeds. This is what this ambivalent, ah, we're just here. We're just, you know, going through the motions. The Catholic Church was sent out into the world, Jess, to bring, uh, to, to literally storm the gates of hell. Yes. Uh, Jesus told us that the gates of hell would not be able to withstand us. Why? Because we, the church is, number one, is on a mission um, with the authority of Christ, who who basically is, you know, um, he is Lord of all. Let's just put it like that. And Amen. so... Um, yeah, so so this this neutrality or this ambivalence to you know it doesn't that's not what we're called to do as Catholics. Amen. Your um, yeah comments. Yeah, we're, we're called <laughs> yeah Matthew sixteen eighteen. We're called to storm the gates of hell. In yes. other words, that's that's an offensive commission. It's not Amen. a defensive commission. It's it, it, our Lord is saying that hell has gates. And what are we supposed to do as disciples and soldiers of Christ? We're supposed to rush forward, advance forward in the battle and take those gates and tear them out. That's Amen. what we're supposed to do because they have prisoners captive there. And we've got to take these prisoners of war back. Soul home patrol. Yes. yes. That, that truly is soul patrol. Yeah. Yes. Edward Snatch them said, from the fire. Yeah. Jews. Snatch them from the fire. The priests I contacted all agree that prayer is, of course, of course, vital, especially the rosary, making reparation and the imperative to grow in personal holiness. We have to pray that the Lord will intervene, said Father Ernesto. He can produce some effects, but it's dependent on prayer. If we don't pray enough, those effects don't happen. If we don't pray, we will have to suffer more. Also, mm. think, of your, uh, also think of your own judgment. Have I prayed enough? The bottom line, Father said is to pray, pray a lot and do penance and certainly not succumb to the temptations of sedificantism. Okay, that's not the solution. Huh. Nope. The priest also believes that the more the old mass is celebrated, the better. So that the glory of God is truly at the center of the liturgy and the first commandment is properly honored. Yep. If the supernatural is truly present and always central, he said, the rest will then come from that following the principle lex orani, lex credendi, the law of what is prayed, is the law of what is believed. Yes. What else matters, of course, is grace. The current situation is a vicious circle. We need to respond to the grace we receive at this time. But if we lack graces, we won't react. So again, 
he stressed the importance of prayer to receive the graces to respond to what the Lord is allowing through his permissive will. And for that, he believes it's important to attend the traditional mass. The more people look for the mass, the more traditional priests will be there, given through providence, he said. And one final point he stressed, how Mm. little we know of God's sublime plans and how Mm. we can be at peace allowing ourselves to be merely his instruments, meek and a bit ignorant, but adhering to what has been cut down, what has been handed down to us through tradition. In other words, we have to trust in the Lord that all will work to the good according to his divine will. And he's basically paraphrasing Romans 8.28. Again, this doesn't mean being passive. He and others said, prayer, while clearly important, needs to be coupled with action. I asked Bishop Schneider what the best action of uh, what the best course of action would be, and particularly if he thought lay people should remain silent and let this play out, much like at Christ's crucifixion, he replied, and I quote, Bishop Schneider said, Remaining silent like the apostle at Christ's crucifixion is surely the wrong way and a pious illusion. People are confusing two different situations. At the crucifixion, there was no real possibility of resisting, and Christ forbade the apostles to resist, since his passion was the will of the Father, and his passion the condition for our salvation. The crisis of faith and apostasy within the church is not salvific, and against the will of God. When some are mocking the holiness of God in worship or his teachings, Christ himself gave us an example of an exterior protest. He threw out the merchants from the temple. And the apostles did the same. Many faithful saints publicly denounced heresies and sins within the church. We got, for example, St. Hildegard of Bingen, St. Bridget of Sweden, St. Catherine of Siena. And I would add a few more voices, Paul. We also have today who have denounced uh, some, of the, some of the errors that are being promoted today at the highest levels of the church. We have Cardinal Raymond Burke, mm-hmm. Cardinal Brandmuller, Cardinal Kafara. Cardinal Meisner, Cardinal Pell, mm. Cardinal Seurat, mm-hmm. Cardinal Mueller, Archbishop Vigano, Bishop Strickland. And you know who even uh, surprised me? You know who even added their voice to criticizing the synod and synodality? Don't fall off your chair, Paul. Bishop Barron is on yeah, record. I saw that. I saw I'm that. Like, whoa. I, I, I mean, I mean, he's not known for being. I'm not criticizing. He's not known for being a traditionally minded bishop, and for him to say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 P- pump the brakes here. This is a bit too far." When Bishop Barron says this, and he's aligning himself with Strickland, Vigano, Mueller, Sarah, Pal, Miser, Kafar, Branmulin, and Burke, you know, Houston, we got problems. Yeah, yeah, and Jess, I'll just say that. Uh... You know, a lot of people are going to say, oh, 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 but I'll just say it anyway. Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, oh, he yeah. saw this many years ago. Exactly. And uh, and again, the chickens have come home to roost. Um, you know, uh, Bishop Schneider, he talked about, you know, being silent, Jess, uh, and remaining silent. What does sacred scripture tell us? Speak the truth in love. That's what we're commanded to do by Christ. Yeah. We cannot remain silent. We must speak the truth. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Of course, like, just like, like St. Paul says, you just got to do it in charity. You can't be name calling, ad hominem attacks, detraction, yep. calumny. Yep. That, that's not, yep. that's not the discourse of a, of a follower of Christ. 
Yes. No. Paul, you want to want to pick up want to pick up the next uh, paragraph? It says in ordain. Okay, where are we at? Uh, it says in our day, it is. Yeah, the- I know. Oh yeah, I got it. In our day, it is the hour of the prophetic mission of the lay faithful, in virtue of the sacrament of confirmation, to publicly defend the sacredness of our faith and the liturgy. Yet it must be done in a respectful tone and not in anger. <laughs> we just talked about that, right? Always keeping an outward respect toward the church's authority. Canon law gives lady the right to do it. See Canon law 212, if you have any doubt. See, a lot of people don't realize that. At the same time as denouncing the abuses and defending the faith, the lay faithful should offer all their sufferings as reparation and as penance for the renewal of the church, thereby suffering together with Christ and his bride, the church, mm. who is passing in our day the hours of a spiritual Golgotha. Uh, conclusion. Yeah. yeah. To conclude, I've tried in this talk to convey some potentially positive, though of course very theoretical perspectives on the crisis. What people have told me and which I've tried to convey is not only how is not only how helpful this period of clarification has been for those with eyes to see, but how much of it reality could not have happened without Pope Francis. You see, Jess, and I always say that, why does God allow certain things that, you know, that we perceive to be evil, certain, certain, in order to bring about a, a greater good? No, I'm not. Bingo. Don't say yep. that. Yeah. Now, 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 again, I'm not talking about Pope Francis being evil. What I'm saying is when he says something that is contrary. We'll be right back. Stick around. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. If you want to know how God's divine providence, God's sovereign providence and free will interrelate, read paragraph 600 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Because that's exactly what Paul was trying to explain right before the break. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, Jess, in order that uh, we don't want to get any nasty emails, listen, I'm not, you know, trying to say that Pope Francis is evil. That's not what I was saying. What I'm saying is, is that, number one, Pope Francis, like all of us, has to work out his own salvation in fear and trembling. Pope Francis, like all of us, is capable of sin. And so, whether he does it intentionally or even unintentionally, says something that contradicts the perennial teachings of the faith things that may have intrinsically evil overtones possibly without even knowing it i'm not trying to judge his heart but the bottom line is god why would god allow that why would god allow pope francis to say something that wasn't true well god that's the the general principle is that why why does God allow evil in the world in order to bring about a greater good? Bingo. You see, this is an opportunity for us, just as Catholics, to defend the faith, to live out our faith, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. All the things in the Beatitudes that Christ talked about. These this is our opportunity to stand and um, align ourselves with the Bride of Christ, which is. The church, the faith, 
Amen. And 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 for some people that would say, you know, Jess Paul, you guys just get get on the microphone and just uh and criticize the Holy Father. Let me tell you what I did before I got on the microphone this morning. Okay? Mm. I did my rosary in Latin, me and my wife. We went to Mass. It was about 40 minutes. I offered my prayers, my communion for the Pope, uh, Bishop Strickland, many other people, Michael Voris, all, all kinds of people that I was offering my prayers and my Holy Communion for. Uh, and then uh, on the way home, me and my wife did morning prayers. So I probably prayed about, before starting this show, with Mass and the Rosary and morning prayer, I've probably been in prayer for over an hour before I'm going to strap on. And I do this every day. This I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, I, I don't get on the microphone, you know, turning on uh, television or, or music in the morning and saying filthy jokes and listening to Howard Stern. No. My morning, everything is, all the media is shut off. I start off my morning in deep prayer before I go to Mass so I can do a show like this and, 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 and put out the best information that this sinner, that both of us sinners can possibly put out. Yeah. Paul, let me, let me mention the, the last part of the article that I want to get, get our yep. comments. It says, Penton says, to conclude, I've tried to talk, uh, I've tried in this talk to convey some potentially positive, though of course very theoretical perspectives on the crisis. What people have told me and what I've tried to convey is not, is not only how helpful this period of clarification has been for those with eyes to see, but how much of, the, of it really could have been happened without Pope Francis, like Paul said. Mm-hmm. In an article I had to rush out the night he was elected, one of my editors added a hopeful sentence at the end. It says, quote, giving all the challenges that lie ahead, it is perhaps fitting he chose the name of the saint whom Christ urged rebuild my church. Pope Francis, St. Mm-hmm. Francis. Mm-hmm. Well, that certainly hasn't happened, but perhaps for all the trauma, abuse, persecution, and upheaval we've witnessed over the past decade, this Pope could oddly and inadvertently be serving as a highly effective instrument through which our Lord is destroying all that is so rotten and corrupt in the post-conciliar institutional church. And once this clarification is over, and once adequate resistance has taken place, perhaps the rebuilding can begin in earnest, restoring the bride of Christ after years of modernist and neo-modernist infiltration to truly being what the Lord intended her to be, the light mm. of the world. Wow, he ended it strong, Paul. And, yeah. uh, and, and as Catholics, uh, is this difficult for lay Catholics? Of course it is. What lay Catholic... Or what person, period, wants to come home and their father is a drunk, dropping F-bombs and watching pornography and, you know, pushing your, his, his, your mom around. What, what person wants to come home and see that night after night? And then eventually, you know, you're 18, 19, 20, you're a young man. You say, I got to confront dad. I got to tell dad he can't mm. put his hands on mom. He can't slap mm. her around. He can't cuss her out. There comes a point in time where you got to grow up and you have a duty be, be, by virtue of the fourth commandment. Honor yeah. your father and your mother. That filial piety means dad. And I mean, paternal father and spiritual father, you have to offer loving correction. Dad, you can't say that. Dad, you can't do that. That's wrong. That goes against the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if it was only me and Paul Clay saying this, then people would say, ah, it's, it's your guys' opinion. <laughs> Are yeah. you kidding me? Cardinal yeah. Burke? Cardinal Mueller? Right. Cardinal Kafara, yep. Meisner, yep. Pell, Sarah, yep. Mueller. I mean, the list goes on and on. Priests around the world. I mean, there is a document. A, a thousand theologians signed it. High-ranking theologians uh, yep. that signed a document uh, correcting Pope Francis in certain things. Even this yep. one person that now defends everything he has to say. 
He, he actually signed his name on the document as well. He's all over YouTube now defending everything he, he says now. And his name mm. was on the document offering the Pope a correction for what the things that he was teaching. Uh, and so, Paul, going back to Scripture, uh, you, uh, I mean, we have to take Scripture as our, as, as our flagship. The Bible says clearly, speak the truth in charity, Ephesians mm-hmm. 4.15. The Bible mm-hmm. says, the, John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. The yes. Bible says, 2 Timothy 2, 15, carefully study to present yourself approved unto God, a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the word be urgent in season and out of season convince rebuke and exhort be unfailing in patience and in teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own li- their own liking to the truth and wander into myths and finally ezekiel the prophet warns us in chapter 3 verse 18 if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to the wicked from his wicked way, in order to save his life, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you will have saved your life. Paul, the whole of Scripture commands us as followers of the one true God, disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to be our brother's keeper. We cannot Amen. be like Cain and kill Abel and say, who am I, you know, am I, am I my brother's keeper? Yet God said, in fact, you are your brother's keeper. You just answered wrong. Paul, comment? Oh, yeah, brother. Listen, just like our lady said, Jess, we find ourselves bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal, okay? Like you said, if it if it was just Jess Romero and Paul Clay saying this, then I would say probably you don't want to listen to us. But clearly, we see there is uh, there there as as the um, the author of this article pointed out, there is a um, revolution that has taken place, and it has affected the church. But always remember, there are two aspects to the church: one is human, the other divine. Yes, the divine. Uh, aspect of the church is intact uh it just like i you know i always say it reminds me of isaiah when 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 the world was falling apart around him he looks up he sees the lord seated on his throne high lifted up and exalted the angels day and night above him holy 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 is the lord just that is what's going on from god's perspective and know this that nothing can happen unless god allows it because he is truly um all authority belongs to him. All Amen. power belongs to him. Amen. And therefore, God allows these things, Jess, for, for one thing only, for our holiness, for our good. Just like he allowed a lot of people, you know, they would ask me, well, why did God allow the, the serpent in the garden? Well, man needed a choice. Love involves a choice. And there was a choice, a real choice there. I can I can choose to lovingly obey God or I can choose to rebel. And that's our choice today to lovingly stand for the truth would be that we would obey God rather than man. Amen. Wake up, Catholics. Don't hit the snooze button. 
There's the global warming alert. Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? Or you may, your heart may just stop and you're going to go see Jesus. Are you ready? Remember, know your Catholic faith. You cannot live your faith if you don't know it. And you can't share your faith with others if you don't make the fa- your faith first. Make it your own. Also, live your Catholic faith. Your Catholic faith is a public thing. It's not meant to be left behind like the Left Behind series when you leave your home. <laughs> and, number, and number three, spread your Catholic faith. Jesus Christ wants us to bring the whole world into captivity to the truth. And the truth is Christ himself. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And remember the battle cry of the Crusaders in the 200 years when they fought the Islamic invaders. They would cry and they would shout with their banners in the battlefields. They would say, Christos vincit, Christos reinat, Christos imperut. Christ conquers, Christ reigns, Christ commands. Remember, Catholics, we fight for altar and throne to one day be inseparably united under Christ the King forever. Paul, take it away. Our Lady of Victory, pray Pray for for us. us. Amen. Yeah, that's my final word, just Our Lady of Victory. Pray for us. Her immaculate heart will triumph. Amen. Catholics, pray rosary every day. Don't make excuses. Remember, St. Dominic received the rosary from Our Lady in 1214 AD. For what? To defeat heresy. It's the weapon heaven gave us to defeat heresies. We're fighting the heresy of modernism. Catholics, start making visits to the Blessed Sacrament. Try to say, you know what? I'm going to spend an hour a week with Jesus in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Last night from 12 midnight to 1 in the morning, every uh, Tuesday morning, uh, it's me and Jesus. I'm just staring at him. He's just staring back at me. I talk to him. He talks to me. I take my Bible, take my rosary every single Tuesday at 12 midnight. Make sure you're trying to get an hour of adoration every single week. There's 168 hours in a week, so don't make any excuses. If you can get the Mass every day, amazing. Praise God. Also, read your Bible every day. Catholics, it's not a Protestant book. It's not a Jehovah's Witness book. It's not a Mormon book. It's a Catholic book. Let's start reading our Bible every single day. And remember, Fridays is always a day of penance. Penance and penance. And don't forget... Go to confession at least once a month. Remain in a state of grace or you're useless to the body of Christ. If you're in a state of grace, you are a a sharp sword in the hands of God. All right, that's a wrap. We'll see you guys next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. Stick around. You don't want to miss Gary Machuda up next. Hands on apologetics. Coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. As for these two retired cops for Christ, we are EOW. End of watch. We're out. God bless you.